Hello, everybody. Uh, sad news. I, I just have found out that Ben Sur, musician from Edmonton, singer-songwriter, has passed away. And Ben was on the show in 2017, um, on, and uh, he was a, a whole day early when he came on the show. So that was that was an interesting pivot for me. I was in bed and I hear bloop bloop, and I'm like, "Oh crap!" And he goes, "Yeah, it's Ben." I'm like, "You're a day early," <laughs> and uh, we did the podcast. And it was nice to talk to somebody like Ben because he's he was at the time talking about how awesome it was to be on a label and how awesome it was to make music and how awesome it was to be working with people like Melanie Kay who had put us together in an interview. So what I do wish everybody is to take time. Reflect, breathe, you know, think of the people that, that love and cherish you and want to be with you, and it's, it's, life is fleeting. I feel sorry for all the people who you left behind. I feel sorry for the people who have to deal with this. Rest in peace, Ben, sir. I hope you found some peace. Here's my episode I did with Ben in 2017. It was episode 131. Early on, early days, and um, yeah, hope you find some peace, bud. Uh, but man, like this is—I was just actually working with Melanie. Uh, is is strange, and like actually having a uh, a record label for the first time is kind of bizarre to me. And I was just writing up another interview before I came in with you, and it's like as like a punk rock kid or just a music fan in general, you want to talk about this stuff, but now that it's actually a thing, I'm like, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> so, so to hear, uh, to hear you say that, uh, I, I just, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Anytime. Um, like I, I truly mean it. Like I, you know, I, I like, I like the fact that I can about myself that I can, I can find good stuff in all music, but when it really totally. does, when there's, when, when it really does, um, hit home, you know, just the way the whole record goes together. Um, I listened pretty much to the end and went, oh, this is, I could listen to this in a van. I could listen to this driving down the road. And, uh, and you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're doing, doing good work and you're from Edmonton. So that's a, that's a good thing. And all, all yeah. good roots, rock and roll comes from Edmonton. <laughs> I, you know what, man? Like, I, I like the spirit of here. I, like, I was actually born in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. um, my mom is, and I didn't really think about the implications of this till later in life, but my, my dad is from uh, the States. My mom is from Edmonton. Uh, she actually was like where I work. She's from like two blocks away and they met in Las Vegas. And I was like, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. But now that I'm older, I'm like, Oh man, mm -hmm. you guys are just hitting on each other in Las Vegas. <laughs> um, and uh, I think, uh, you know, so growing up, we would drive a couple times a year, like 22 hours, Edmonton to Minneapolis, Minneapolis to Edmonton. And I think like those long distances became normalized. And one of the things that I've really appreciated hearing with the record is people are like, it's a great album to drive to. Because mm -hmm. like, that's where I, I, I'm not trying to be over like overly romanticize it, but like, I honestly think that's where I get my clarity, like of being able to think is because since I was a kid, you know, you get in the car and you have all this time and very flat open space to just think, you know? Yeah. And touring and things like that too, you learn to appreciate when when people would give you music to listen to from bands or whatnot. You know, you 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 really do hang on to the good stuff. You know, like you yeah. know, I, I remember traveling in the early '90s across the the prairies, and we met the bands from this band, Miss Fenson, Mrs. Fenson. Okay. And they're from from Regina, and we listened to this record all the way back to Toronto. 
And it was like, sure. this is the best record we've ever heard, you know? Yeah. Because it was ours, you know what I mean? So that, that was that was another thing. It was like, we discovered this. This is ours, you know? We're bringing, totally. it, we're bringing it back to the GTA, you know? Yeah. Uh, what and was your band? We were, I was in a band called Trigger Happy. Are, are you? In the oh, early yeah. 90s, yeah. I was in the first version of Trigger Happy. I am very familiar. And then we crashed our van, and then I started a, I, I joined a band called Red Fisher, which was okay. based out of Winnipeg. And then okay. we would come to Edmonton, and we, it was around the time of... What was around in Edmonton? It would have been the time of Pal Joey and yeah. and, and King Lettuce and bands like that. <clears throat> but I don't think... We, we had more of a Calgary connection with bands, okay. you know, so... Uh, Absolutely, you know. So I have a very strong um, bond with uh, Edmonton in general. You know, it sounds like it. If you don't mind me asking, if it's not too much of a distraction, like what uh, what Calgary bands? Oh gosh, um, I'm trying to remember uh, <laughs> now. Now that you put me on the spot, oh, there, sorry, was, uh, there was there uh, was Wagbeard. Okay, not there, familiar. There was um, that was the band Wagbeard. Actually, the drummer ended up joining Trouble Charger. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, yeah. So that was sort of the the mid nineties. And there was this band, God, I can't remember the name of it, but there, this guy Jonas was in the band and I can't remember. Uh, and John was in the band and they're going to, he's going to hate me now because he's my Facebook friend, <laughs> but <laughs> it's so many years ago. It's like 30, it feels like a hundred years ago. Oh, but, and it's probably before, before my time. I just like, I, I, there's something so deeply in, ingrained in me of like, I, I just love talking about bands, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. finding, that was almost kind of like my one, like we just, like I said, we got back from Europe like two and a half days ago and uh, it was great to tour with a bunch of Edmontonians. But um, what I'm looking forward to next time is like, it would have been really nice to play with a local every night. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Just to learn about a bunch of German bands that I've never heard before, you know? So Yeah, I mean, I toured a bit in in Europe and I would meet bands who would be, you know, you'd, you'd meet bands... It's so funny because they look at you differently. Like it's it's yeah. you know we look at each other like we're we're just Canadian people. We play in bands, but there's a different vibe of um, you know bands from Europe in general are like they have this sort of love for you know can, you know North American music, and particularly I feel like there's a Canadian. They have a nice strong Canadian bond. Um, I don't know why. Maybe because they were like they think that we don't like Americans or something or something, but there's some sort of like weird, like you guys are much better because you're not American or something. It's, it's really funny. And like having like, I, I feel really lucky to have like, well, a, to be a dual citizen and I've been exposed to like living both in Canada and the States, Yeah, but being very also aware of like the differing reputations that you have, like deserved or not, like don't yeah. get me wrong. Like I understand particularly now why America is not particularly popular. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I mean, like one of the main things that punk rock ever told me, Tommy, is that like, you know, you know, there's good people everywhere yeah. and, uh, you know, the Americans, us Americans certainly aren't giving the best international portrayal at the moment, but I, I do agree with you. Cause like, and I, I think there's another part of it too. Like if I'm here in Edmonton and I hear like, oh, Hey, there's a German band or a Swedish band playing down the street. I'm going to go because I'm like, wow, I'm not going to see that often. Mm-hmm. But I realize being in Europe, that's the same for us. Is that it's kind of, you know, you know, here, like we could play in Winnipeg. And it's like, oh, some other dipshit band from Edmonton is playing Winnipeg. Who cares? But over there, it's like, oh, we get to meet some Canadians and have fun. And yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's cool. And then to also feel the responsibility of like, 
I want to live up to that Canadian reputation. And then if I can slide it in at the end, I'm like, by the way, I'm also American. (laughs) (laughs) You hit him with the double one, too. (laughs) That's right. And, you know, you know, maybe maybe that helps, you know. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So you've you've been living up in Edmonton pretty much your whole life or you said just something about you're in Oshawa before then or. Yeah, I was I was born in Minneapolis and we lived there till I was three. And then we moved to Oshawa. Obviously, I don't remember it, but uh, lived in Oshawa for a year. My little brother, he was born there, moved to Edmonton. So I was 15, moved back down to Minneapolis till I was 18, moved back to Edmonton, lived in Vancouver for a year, been back in Edmonton for four years. So. Okay, yeah. So when you moved out to Vancouver, well, that was to pursue music or was that to get away from the house? Um, well, I mean, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm 32. And at that point, like I, it was mostly to just focus on music. I was still performing acoustically at the time because uh, worst days down, it all started by me playing by myself. Uh, my old band had broke up and um, a relationship had ended and uh, I had just finished university and uh, I'm very stubborn that I refuse to play in bands if I'm not friends with everybody. So I'm like, well, I'm not just going to make people play music with me, so I'll play acoustically. And I was like, you know what? I'm just kind of done with working in bars. I just want to focus on music. And I was only there for about six months and not the typical Edmonton way of like, okay, I'm out here. I fucked up i'm moving back to edmonton but uh a friend of mine was opening a bar and he's like i want you to move back to edmonton so you can focus on music and work in our bar i'm like god damn it like uh this was not the point but it's pretty cool like i i run this place when i'm here and it's largely comprised of musicians of all sorts of bands so it's like when we're in town we work our butts off but we have the ability that regardless of how much we have to tour we can leave Mm -hmm. so it was a pretty ideal situation that, you know, there's certain things about Vancouver I miss and would like, but being older and realizing that we have like an ability to fundamentally impact Edmonton's scene and music culture. Yeah. That's cool. Absolutely. And we're in a different world where we were 20 years ago or 20 years ago. If you wanted to go be in the Mecca of music, you went to three places. You went to Montreal, Toronto, or Vancouver mm-hmm. to quote unquote, make it. And if you didn't yeah. make it, then you weren't going to make it in your shit ass town, even if it was Edmonton. And, totally. You know, and I mean that with all the respect that I can I can give. But there I was totally no, understand. you know, there wasn't actually an alternative music radio station in the early two thousands in Edmonton. Like there wasn't, totally. there wasn't one there. I worked for I worked for Sum Forty One as their tour manager, and we okay. couldn't we couldn't get played on on you know Edmonton radio because there was no station for it. So that's my point, you know. And that was that. Oh, it's getting up there now. So, so the idea that you went, you know, now you can, you know, you can become successful, popular in any town, um, mm-hmm. using the right avenues to, to, to be successful or popular. And if you do things ethically, right, everything's fine. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, because I do remember like there's bands I know that moved to Toronto from like Sault Ste. Marie. You're like, why are you, why are you doing that? Yeah. Well, that's the only way we're going to make it. Well, okay. You know? Which is so bizarre too, because like one thing that I like, one of my primary complaints about Vancouver, and I don't have many, um, is that people move there for this whole idea of making it, but like the community itself is pretty lacking in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, like don't, and and maybe that's because there's always a, it's an international city, and you know there's going to be a million touring shows that you can go to all the time, but like, the like, the music scenes in themselves. We're not nearly as. We just cut out. Oh, he's on a good thread there too. 
Dude, you cut out. Yes, I'm connected. Hit primary. Yeah. Maybe he's going to come back. Oh, he's back. Oh, did I cut out? Yeah, you just cut out. God, you're oh, in sorry. such a good thread there. You're such a good... Uh, where, where did I end? Uh, you were talking like... about um, there's ton, um, live music scene, the live mu music scene in, in Vancouver. Yeah, and um, so here in Edmonton, like you have, you're you responsible for making your own fun. And uh, right outside... So there's this... I don't know. Did you ever hear of a bar called Wonder Bar mm -mm. in Edmonton? No. It, it, it was a total dive, but for about five years, Craig, who's hosting a trivia night, he works here now at a place, the place I run called the Buckingham. And he just very much understood, and it's the same approach that we take, that we're going to go above and beyond and show the bands the best hospitality so that they know on the road that Edmonton is somewhere to look forward to go. Mm -hmm. And like, I like that underdog mentality because you, you have to give people a reason to to, to want to be here. and it feels really gratifying when we'd bump into bands in other parts of the world and they're like, Oh man, like Edmonton's a great city. And I was like, and I, I feel the responsibility of that. You know, mm -hmm. I want, I, I want to be a piece of that. And because otherwise, yeah, it does remain just Vancouver, Montreal and Toronto and they're all great cities, but there's a lot of great stuff in between. Yeah. The first time bad religion played um, in like the prairies was Edmonton. Yeah, and they played the uh, the convention center. Yeah, and SNFU opened, and I mixed sound for SNFU. It was Dave Reese's and Brent Belke's last show. No shit. Yeah, and it was like, a, and and I actually recorded it onto ADATS, <clears throat> and I think Brent still has that recording. And it was like, yeah, Dave Reese's last show, and it was like, I think they did it. It was like they were thought there was gonna be two thousand people. I think it was like over sixty five hundred people went and saw Bad Religion. You know, wow. and that was like a big thing like people driving all over you know and it's also the smalls the smalls are from edmonton that like, that band is um i mean gosh like they are the epitome of diy they are yeah. the epitome of like punk rock ethics they're good people um yeah. you know what i mean like god damn like that band which was is the biggest awesome. thing yeah yeah like and it's funny because one of the and this was would have been before i got into punk rock but a kid moved uh when i was in the fifth grade he moved to edmonton and he was uh, the Belkey's nephew. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, my uncles had a band. They had a country rock band. He's like, oh, my uncles have a band too. It's a punk rock band. I'm like, wow, what's punk rock? And <laughs> two, two years later, I, I'm getting Fayulaba and loving it. And yeah. I like what you said about the Smalls too, because like, and this is kind of a heathen thing to say, because like I, I, I saw the Smalls so many times growing up and they were never stylistically my thing. I hold them in such like a high respect and regard. Like, the biggest thing is, is like being nice people. Like mm -hmm. I think being a little bit older now too, of just like, like that's to me, like I could not give less of a shit what you do or what you play. But if you're a nice person and you work hard with your band, I want to be friends with you. Period. That's, you know, you, you've said it, you've hit it on the head. You know, I work with bands too. I'm a sound guy. I'm a tour manager and I yeah. work, I'll work with anybody if they're nice people. Like I worked for one band. I didn't really work for them. I came in to do some recording for them. And you could tell that the crew didn't really like each other. And you could tell that the band didn't really like each other. You can tell that the band and the crew weren't getting along. It's yeah. so caustic. I'm like, Bleh. I don't, I can't work in this. I'm so used to everybody going, like everybody went and ate in their own place. Like they went to eat, you know, and you're like, 
well, don't we have, no, bands hang out. That's what bands do. And, and bands hang out with the crew. And they, you could tell there was a very big divide between band and crew and, and just band in general were not jiving. So, you know, I, I don't think that's why I got into working for bands or working with music, you know? So yeah, you kind of, you hit it home there for sure. That's, it's important. You know, you, we're such a small country um, when it comes to the music industry, you know, that we need to somehow all get along, you know, no matter what type of music. Totally. And I think Edmonton in Winnipeg and like Saskatoon and towns like that were like yep. good at metal dudes hanging out with punkers and punkers hanging out with new wave guys. And it all kind of did kind of work out, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I like, I, re I really feel you on what you were saying there too, because like, I mean, the whole reason I played acoustically um oh no go cut now oh you're there yeah, yeah. sorry sorry my roommates uh, actually i'll get into this so we got back from tour and uh our guitarist uh kevin he's a great dude him and his girlfriend are splitting up so he's uh staying with me so he was just calling me there so i'm just responding to him real quick i apologize for anytime man no Oh man, I'm sorry about that. All good, man. You back? Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> um, it's like I can't handle it anymore, man. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> well, I just feel I feel bad because like he's going through a lot. Like when we were gone, like his grand his grandfather passed away, uh. and um, like he's it, it it's interesting. Like well, it kind of ties into what you're saying. Like the reason I played acoustically is I refuse to play in bands with people I'm not friends with, and I don't understand it when I see it. It's like man, like you're in such close proximity doing all these things and every now and again i'll see a band and it's like you don't even seem like you're enjoying yourself whether it be like the the music or the experiences or like thinking about where you are and i really feel like kevin and i like we're pals but we got a lot closer on this tour and you know with his grandfather passing away and not that it's my place to talk about their relationship of him getting to a point where he's like you know what i have to i'm not happy and now he's living in my apartment with me like to me, that's a band, mm -hmm. you know, is your, and that's the whole reason I got involved with music to begin with was to go see the world and do stuff with these people and listen to, like you were saying about like that record that you got of that band from Regina, listen to some music that feels your own and makes stupid jokes and chain smoke cigarettes on the highway. And like, man, like that's everything to me. And that's yeah. really cool. Well, it's the experience you take home that makes you go create more music um mm -hmm. you know and that you know it's it is a bit of an ad you know an old adage where you can't write blues in an air-conditioned room and yeah. you need heartbreak to make this and that but at the same time who who told who said that you need to have your heart broken to go make good music you know like you have yeah. great experiences like i you know i was so inspired because i played in bands and i i went on tour and we did europe and i would be like in some weird town and i'd be like having like so many inspirations to, to go and create stuff and and yeah so having good experiences can also be important you know you don't always have to be like starving and and heartbroken <laughs> you know it's, it's totally it sounds romantic but it it kind of sucks when when you have but, to go through it 
it blows mm. and like um there's a couple songs on the record where um and one of the so we were working with this label called gunner and uh gunner records and that's also the label head's name and uh this was well before anything was solidified with them like we were not signed by them or anything and he came up to me after a show and he just said he's like no death no girls no heartbreak you write me a party song and i'm just like and because one time before i wrote one of the songs i'm like i'm gonna write an upbeat song and it totally just turned out like depressing um <laughs> so i was like you know what i'm just gonna put that line in it no death no girls and not expecting to be signed by this guy at all yeah and that ended up being one of the songs he really liked and mm -hmm. just like bizarre like that but like i realized that um i'm not you know the most uplifting of lyricists sorry i'm just uh, doing a thing. um sorry again um but like having those experiences in europe and it was cool talking with kevin who's going through all this stuff and him coming back and him saying like man like i feel more inspired than anything to get to a better place and we've just even in the last couple of days just been working so much on new music and he just started writing for a publication and that's the whole thing and not to get too meta but like i realized with the record and almost every song is kind of and it's only through doing these interviews that i've actually figured it out is all those songs are kind of about like writing about something dark and finding the optimism in it and you know in the positivity like it's not a pessimistic record mm. and um yeah so sorry that was kind of tangential no no, that's, no. Uh, uh that's what this show's about Oh, okay, great. Well, I go off, brother. Def definitely a blabbermouth. So just tell me to <laughs> shut up at any point. Oh, don't worry. I've done ones where this is. If you do the easy lifting for me, it's like this is great. I don't need. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I like listening. I do. Um. Well, you know, when you say you know you're 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 finding the 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 good in the you know out of the bad, that's kind of what music is, anyways. You know what I mean? You're kind of looking for. You're looking for something, whether it, whatever type of music comes on the radio, you're like, okay, well, this is going to be assaulted towards me. This is going to be put towards me. I need to find a reason, you know, artistically why I can enjoy this, you know? Totally, man. Like one of my favorite jobs, um, and it was actually a job that, uh, well, it's kind of right when Worst Days was actually starting. So I came back, I was working in Guatemala, came back, hated my job. So I quit and was going to focus on music and the only bartending job I could get, which was never my plan to be a bartender. It just happens to be conductive to being a touring musician. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was at like kind of like a popular top 40 like restaurant and dance bar. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to hate this, but I'm homeless. So I'll do it. And it was, I met such an amazing group of people that was a really good wrap upside my head. I'm like, oh, as a punk rocker, we're all open-minded, but really was i being mm -hmm. and that's kind of where the whole it became formative of like i don't care what you're into um and that would that job allowed me to you know go and do this whole thing yeah i remember there was more of a connecting thought that started that and i don't remember <laughs> what that was but, so. but when you were writing it though did you write it in a tangent or did you write it in, in, in a row did it take a period of time to write um how did how did the writing process go on this uh like the new album yeah um that one was gradual because some of them i would say half the songs i wrote acoustically uh when i was playing by myself but it was always 
with the idea in mind of eventually playing in a band again. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't going to be until I felt I had a group of friends that I was close enough with, not like out of like being afraid or anything. I just, you know, I want to travel around with my buds. Mm -hmm. And once we started playing together as a band, about the other half of the record was put out. But like there's some of those songs that are like, three or four like oh no there's even one that's yeah four years old mm -hmm. and um and it just kind of it, it's interesting because that album is all songs that i wrote and only now that it's out we're like oh we're this band we're only really now learning how to be a band because only now are we all writing stuff completely together and really hitting the road hard it's a really ex like it's a really exciting challenge yeah right now. Absolutely, yeah. and, you know, and you and you struggle to find that band that of people that you can, you know, go through shit with, as well as go through nice times with. You know, my 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 big struggle was to find a band that could put up with the bullshit as well as the good. You know, the bands were always yeah. there to sort of relish in the free beer and the fact that there was fun to be had, but there mm -hmm. is so much more than that. You know, and we know it, and it's tough to explain to people like how much work it goes into heading up your own band. And that's kind of, kind of what you did. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it, it, it's cool that you said that too, because it's weird, like for, you know, being older and never having had a label or backing and, you know, you, there's that idealized sense of self growing up that you're like, Oh man, one day I'm going to be that guy. And, but having learned it and completely done the whole, I, I guess only on like the last, year as much as i've said it a million times i've really realized like people have thrown it at us like the diy approach it's like hey you've toured throughout europe and canada and the united states with nobody giving a shit yeah but you know i, I take it wasn't only until like the last couple of months where i was like kind of gave myself a pat on the back i was like oh i really did but being older and now having these opportunities i actually feel quite grateful for it because everything is a new step up but i also feel there's a maturity there that like we're not I asked myself, like, why am I still doing this? Like, it's not so I can party. It's not so I can get laid. If those things happen along the way, cool. I'm not gonna, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna complain. But like, also our bassist Matt, he went through rehab uh, for uh, alcohol uh, addiction this past summer. So to go to Europe for him was a huge challenge, and he did an amazing job. But we're there to back him up. Of like, if it was ever a night where he's like, I need you guys to not drink or anything like totally cool man we're here for you like we're friends first we're a band second and um you know to have the differing motivations of i can only imagine how much of a dipshit i would have been if i was 22 years old and having those opportunities yeah and i just think there's a lot more cultural appreciation for us to be up at eight in the morning because we're like man we we got to go see the holocaust memorial or go to dachau uh or Murph uh, is really into the never-ending story, so we went to the, uh, what was it, the Bavarian Film Institute, so we could ride on Falcor, <laughs> like the actual flying dog, and we were on the streets by 8 a.m., and, yeah. and like that feels good. Like I don't want to spend my life hungover, you know? No. No, it's funny you'd say that, because I, I went back to Europe to play, and I brought some friends along with me, and I don't really have like a, a brand or any of that stuff, but I did have a bunch of people I knew that could book shows for us. And mm -hmm. uh, went over for nine days. I took three of my friends with me, and uh, and and they get to see it for the first time. And I've seen it for a few other times. But the fact that 
when it was the very first time to the very last time, it was all about going and experiencing things. You know, yeah. where's the best? We found the best Thai food in Cologne, you know, like, you yeah. know, stuff like that, you know, like, it's, yeah. you know, and it's just exciting, you know, because you're that far away and you're in a whole different group of people that have been on the earth longer than we have. You know, you think about that society has been there for over 2000 years. It's mental. It's yeah. crazy. You know, you think you've been yeah. in a town that's over 800 years old, you know? Yeah. And I work. I worked in a town that was celebrating their 30th anniversary. <laughs> you know, it's a few years now. Yeah. Maybe it's their 50th, but yeah, it's it's incredible. Like our oldest city is what, 400 years old in Canada? Something and, like that. Yeah, yeah. Old, old Quebec. But eight, been in Bruges and it's 800 years old and you're in a town that's used to like, I don't know, it had a moat. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to, I went to a, I'm irrationally obsessed with uh, Disney's Robin Hood. Well, Robin Hood in general. Mm -hmm. But I went to a pub in Nottingham that had been there since I think 1092. Hmm. And it was where crusaders would go for a drink before riding their horses to Jerusalem. <laughs> and, uh, and like, I guess like as much as like, I don't know, I, I'm kind of like, I'm really into history and geography. And as much as like, I was kind of preparing for myself, like just like the, the architecture, everything of just realizing I'm like, man, like this hmm. bar, predates my province yeah yeah and like it's cool it's cool to go to quebec because you can kind of feel like a little piece of europe was airlifted and dropped in the middle of our country mm -hmm. um but that that kind of stuff makes me take like there was a day hmm i'm curious of my drummer how he'll take this so uh, we were in trier which is the oldest oh, i know trier city in, yeah. yeah 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 and like so you've been there before yeah yeah we played there with the weaker dance you played there with the weaker than 2003 in true oh like yeah I, man i want to i i need to spin this around and interview you because <laughs> like i'm I, i'm so yeah yeah in, intrigued yeah. and um so uh did you see the black gate when you were there no but we played in this weird old army bunker like this army okay. army, army barrack that was like a youth hostel drop-in center kind of place yeah. well even that man like like the some of the venues and like what they're repurposed. Like we played in a place called Rostick two years ago, which was like an old Soviet military kind of not bunker, but like, like I don't even actually know what the proper word would be, but like essentially it was used for the local municipality to like propagate the people. This is where you kind of were brought into, to be told this is what's going on in the world. And, um, but Trier was crazy because there was still legitimate Roman ruins there yeah and it's the birthplace of karl marx and like uh just just crazy stuff like that like we're running around be like man beethoven is from here and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like like Ma max weber like myself and murph like we both took sociology at school so we're at a max weber um train station in uh munich and dorking out about it and people are like what the fuck is wrong with you guys like you're supposed to be this punk rock band we're like oh man <laughs> This is so fascinating. Like, yeah. I almost made, because we were on tour in 2004, and we were opening for 10-Foot Pole, and we were sharing a tour bus with him. And I almost made our tour bus driver, because we were driving up towards to get the Calais, um, what's it called, uh, to get across to D Dover. To Dover, yeah. yeah. And, and I almost made our tour bus driver like make a left to hit to, where to go over by Normandy. 
Like, you yeah. got to do this. We got to go see. This is history, you know? He was Dude. German, though, so he wasn't too excited. <laughs> he wasn't too excited yeah. about helping us out with that well, one. Well, we, uh, I, it's funny that you say that because that was one of my biggest things the first time we were over there, or I was over there acoustically, because I was like, man, like, I'm so close to Normandy. I have to see it. I, I didn't. But, like, this time we played in a town. Have you played Flensburg before? No. I'm, no. It's just like, it's, it's not that big of a town. It's a cool town, but it's, five kilometers from the danish border i'm like yeah. i don't know if i'm going to live long enough to see denmark so we walked into denmark and i made sure granted i could kind of pitch it to some of the sticklers uh but um uh we were really close to luxembourg i'm like man we have to go to luxembourg because yeah. like just to say oh yeah that's what i was gonna say about my drummer so we're coming out of luxembourg right in trier so trier across the border into luxembourg and we're coming up this beautiful hill and it's not often that there's like a view that like just kind of grabs me um not to say like i'm not i don't feel i'm a jaded person at all but um it was so stunning that all of us in the van are like whoa but our drummer's a mechanic mm -hmm. so on the right hand side is this beautiful valley it's 25 degrees just sun swept so green and on the left is an Esso station. He's just like, oh, holy shit, they have Essos over here. <laughs> Starts talking about what he likes about Esso. And we're like, man, turn your head, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. 45 degrees, man. And like, yeah. that's kind of tour in general. Like, if you want to focus on the, the booze and the partying, and don't get me wrong, man, like, I had some, I had some late nights and I had some great conversations and slurry speeches with people, but, uh, that's not going to change the fact that you know the next day where it's like hey yeah i get you're thinking tourist party time but do we have to go see daco concentration camp yes yeah. we have to see it you yeah. know absolutely so. you know we didn't go to Dachau, but we we were in oxburg which was close to it and we almost went but we kept getting lost and we didn't realize the concept of gps so we would yeah. we would find our selves driving around towns trying to like find the venue before we could actually do anything so yep. the last time or last two times when we had gps so we could actually like you know find the backstage in in munich you know like it's right there that's backstage it's only five minutes off the highway where before yep. it'd be like three hours driving around in circle you know trying to find this goddamn fucking venue never found it but um man and like oh sorry go ahead no 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 go ahead yeah it's, it, oh well i was just thinking like from when I would have first started touring um, and uh, MapQuest being a thing yeah. of like you print it off and that seemed really advanced. Like I can't imagine, like I think about like another state of mind. Yeah. Like the, the movie where it's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. well, we're going to, we're going to go up to Canada yeah. and in this school bus, like how to, and be booking tours through, you know, postage, like, yeah we're pretty damn lucky. Like we were yeah. a bunch of North Americans that have this GPS now, like, and just how reliant we are on it now. Yeah. But I was like, man, bands have gotten through this for, well, centuries, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's actually stories like DOA would tour in Northern Ontario. It'd be dirt roads. They'd be driving yeah. on dirt roads to get to wherever, to get up to Thunder Bay, you'd be driving on a dirt road. And th yeah. that, that blows my mind because even when I started touring in the early 90s, you'd leave Sault Ste. Marie and you're, there'd be no cell service. That was like a big yeah. thing. I don't even know what yeah. it's now, now, what it's like now, but I remember that being a big thing. And I thought, we're driving in the most dangerous part of Ontario highways and there's no cell service. It's It blows my mind. Um, Night danger. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Absolutely. 
Um, yeah. Have you done that drive, the the Thunder Bay to Sault Marie? It's pretty. I have a couple, a couple times. You know what, man? Like that was the biggest. I, I think I was actually having this conversation because we're we're touring out to Puza in uh, May, right? Uh, in, in, in May? May, yeah. And uh, I am really thankful that I've done it a couple times, like just to a appreciate the sheer like. You know, I really feel like, man, sorry, I'm going to go on like nine different tangents. Absolutely. Um, uh, like, it's cool that international travel is such a huge thing. And even as like a bartender, we think about like the different priorities that younger kids have now, rather of like some of our owners are like, well, why are kids not buying shots? I'm like, because kids are fucking flying to Thailand, man. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But I, I do feel like every Canadian should make the drive from Vancouver East to just appreciate the sheer enormity and surprising beauty that is the canadian shield Mm -hmm. that said i've done it three times (laughs) i don't feel the need to do it too many more times because it is so enormous but this time we are and like just like the amount of times that we pulled over for lakes to be like man that's so beautiful i have to jump in that i have to swim there yeah and um but there was one time where like you know leaving winnipeg after the show and uh you know so leaving Winnipeg at like 1 a.m. and then driving overnight and there's just like bears running across the street or yeah. not streets highway yeah. and uh everyone else is asleep and I'm just playing like James Taylor and the calmest music I possibly can because <laughs> otherwise I would just be freaking the fuck out and there's just like it, it kind of felt like Jurassic Park because yeah. like every you know like there's very little shoulder and the trees are looming over you and then every seems like every kilometer is a sign that says night danger and this giant moose that you're just waiting to come around the corner and like oh well there's the motherfucking t-rex that's gonna eat me <laughs> you, you, you know yeah absolutely i've been in that situation you know that there's a time there's a dangerous time it's uh yeah. when the sun starts coming up that's the dangerous time to to drive in in canada um for some reason when the when the sun comes up you become very uh things become a bit sketchy Totally. Sounds uh, looks like you know what it's funny. I can see like the wires and stuff. Like, are you like, where are you? I'm in the office, the very tiny office of the bar that I operate. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like the There's breakers. A lot, lot going on there. A lot going yeah. on. Yeah, that's it's a good pod, by the way. No, nobody, nobody can see that. But um, it's, <laughs> it's a it's a glorified it's a glorified closet. So that's all good. So yeah, driving. I've done that drive where I've had moose run out and race me. I've had uh, I've had tra- times where I was trying to dra- pa- pass it like a snowplow, and then the snow yep. would just start puffing up, and I'd be driving in white, going, "I yeah. think we're gonna make it." Um, yeah. When when I toured, I toured a lot with SNFU in the in the mid nineties uh, yeah. during Fulaba. Actually, I I played keyboards yeah. on Fulaba um, on Bubbit. Are you serious? Yeah, I played on Bubbit. Yeah, and it and it's called. Fuck you, you up Laba. like a bad yeah. Fuck you up like a bad accident. Is and I've the, been saying Fiulaba for the last twenty. Oh my god. <laughs> Fiulaba. <laughs> fuck you okay. up like a bad accident. But no, I play. I, but we we actually canceled soundcheck. So driving into Sault Ste. Marie, so we could hit golf balls in the Lake Superior. So that that was like you know. So we're like, ah, we're not in soundcheck. We'll just we'll just hit golf balls. Um, yeah. But the um. Yeah, that's that's an insane drive. I, I do, you know, because there's been a few times and it's very impossible to do, but where you leave and you go, you know what, I'm going to go through Detroit, I'm going to go up through Minneapolis, I'm going to end up through, uh, uh, up, up, come up just south of Winnipeg or whatever, and it's cheaper, yeah. but it's harder to get across that border. And that will never change for some reason. Like, you know, yeah. for some reason, 
we are like the 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 impending doom to America. We're gonna come and <laughs> we're gonna take all their American money and with our acoustic guitars and things, you know. And it's such a crazy system, you know. Like, do you, do you travel in the states? Like, do you have any inspiration to do that? Like, what's your, oh, should, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, like being an American by birth. You um, can get in there though. That's the good thing. Yeah, that that is the good thing. Like, which can help. Um, I was actually having this conversation the other day with. Um, because Kevin, again, our guitarist Kevin, he, um, I feel like we've had a good approach because we've never had difficulties. Mm-hmm. Some of it was like, you know, we do like the whole fake recording contract and stuff like that. But the last couple of times it was, Kevin's like very logical where he was just like, almost is kind of like, well, they're like, well, why are you coming this way? He's like, well, you guys have such like a beautiful country. Kind of like almost stoked the like, oh yeah, we do have a beautiful country. But he's also <laughs> like, he's like, but the economic side of it, it was just like, oh yeah, we're we're down here contributing, you know, we're buying gas down here and stuff. And it seems in recent years, at least from, and I'm sure this isn't the case for everybody, that it's been easier, at least for us. Mm-hmm. That I I wasn't approaching the border with this sense of impending doom, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and like it, you know, like the towns are just closer together. Like I don't know, they they both have their benefits, and I I just I feel very lucky to have done both and we even have to have this conversation with you where we can talk about that yeah you know and there is a part of me that it's been what was the last time i did the shields uh three years ago so it's been long enough that i'm kind of like oh you know i want to do that again but halfway through it i'm like oh what the fuck like <laughs> why but like even that that's a really cool thing about doing europe is our concept of distance which is more of a testament to just how mental canada is geographically like the first time we were over there and people were like, Oh man, I can't believe we have a four hour drive. Yeah. Like, Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Just the like, East coast what? of America is the same thing. It's like, we're driving to yeah. Philadelphia boys, you know, better get a book is we're leaving New York and we're leaving at nine. We've got to be there for 11. You're like, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And it, it's crazy to think that, you know, we're in, we're in Germany. We were, when we we're in Germany. Um, and I think they were kind of surprised that we had, again just because i'm so into geography we're surprised that we knew i'm like well you guys have like 82 million people in a country that is 60 percent the size of alberta yeah our total country has 36 million people like and you know living in you know conservative alberta obviously with the you know ndp election a couple years ago it's it's not quite the same but like obviously like reactionary racist bullshit you're not going to find much logic in it Mm -hmm. but what I did think was funny is some people were putting up these stickers that says like Alberta's full. I was <laughs> like, there is literally nowhere on the earth that that is less true. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, you know, like we could, mm-hmm. you know, Germany alone shows that, you know, we, we could put a hundred million people in this province and still be very comfortable. Oh yeah. And yeah, totally. Even drive from St. Louis to Las Vegas and tell me that America's full. Because totally. it, it ain't there. There's yeah. lots of lots of nice green space and and you know farmer fields and things like that. And one might argue that maybe not enough farmers fields for the amount of people in the world, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of space, a lot of open, wide open space. And I'm not saying we have to fill it full of people, but it's true with Germany, you know, because you know maybe you know maybe socioeconomically that's okay because everybody's so close together that they don't need to worry about like the distance to bring trade and things like that. Because Canada is like that, you know, like. Put totally. things on a train, it's going to go 14 hours before it reaches 
its destination and and when it comes to farm food and things like that like we like I try to get food that's close to my town because it it it's sort of what I try to do to make things better of course you know and 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 it's certain things you can't just can't get remember I don't know you're there was a time you just couldn't get food like certain types of food Would it be unprofessional of me if it's still quiet to go out for a cigarette while we're talking? You can smoke. Yeah, do that. Let's do that. Cool. We're going to have a smoke now. You know what? Like this time, actually, like uh, whatever it was, uh, man, it almost sounds like theoretical. Like um, a week ago in Germany was like the first time I was like, you know what? I should think about quitting again. I mean, this is all probably justification for compulsive and addictive behavior, but like I've never really struggled with vice mm-hmm. obviously i'm addicted to smoking but like i've always eaten very well i've always had really good exercise habits and uh through my whole adult life which is great so i just kind of rationalized in my head I was like oh that's your thing like you said like i feel like i'm really good at it i'm like that that's your thing of you know i have all these justifications in my head of it's how i concentrate or it's how i have my alone time which is very true for working in bars mm-hmm. um you know you have that five minutes where you can just kind of know do your thing but undeniably it's an awful and addictive behavior so absolutely it's it's you know i also thought that smoking fostered a lot of um creativity when they stopped smoking in 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 coffee shops and things i always thought that's going to kind of harm people who write books or people that you know who who do things that are creative creative that needs cigarettes you know and i don't know i haven't even read I haven't read too many books, but I don't know how, how it's affected um, people who write. But I know that there's like certain people, I forget his name now, but he's a writer on The Simpsons. He actually bought the diner that he used to go to, um, all the, the furniture, so he could put it in his living room so he could feel like he was writing at this diner that he used to write to write at all yeah. the time. So just to get it back, you know, because he can't smoke in this diner, you know, so it's a... A few questions. So, like, I, it was interesting also just freshly being in Europe and, like, you know, places having smoking rooms or somebody asking, I stepped out for a cigarette and they're like, um, can you please step back into the bar to have your smoke? I'm like, where the hell am I? Um, but are, are you a Simpsons fan? Oh, yeah. Oh, so we, we do a, a Simpsons night, like the classic seasons, I should say. Yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah. First five seasons, like first five to ten seasons. I would say, yeah, like seasons two to ten, like, I we do every second month we do like a simpsons trivia night and simpsons costume contest and we actually had a band that performed uh live all simpsons songs <laughs> it was the fucking best wow but um i was actually thinking about kind of like a similar idea in regards to phones because like i'm not a very phone reliant but um of thinking about creativity of like how many good things came from those moments where you were by yourself thinking and now you're outside and you're checking Instagram or Twitter or whatever. And you're not just like in the isolation of your own thoughts, you know? And like, how is that going to impact creativity and, or even just like self realization when you're just constantly looking for like, like I'm, I'm really curious also and like and i don't understand a lot of psychology i'm not schooled in it or anything but uh, my sister-in-law is and she was talking about like the actual like endorphin kicks people get off like getting likes like like how is that going to affect people chemically you know and I, 
yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. You're, you're explaining, actually, I had a guest who is a, um, who's a, who is a psychologist, um, and he talked about that. And he talked about there was a time where you'd sit on your couch and you'd stare off into space and you'd think yeah. about nothing or everything. It didn't mm-hmm. matter what you were thinking about. And then you weren't interested in what other people thought of you. And that became another thing that was it's so funny. You almost put it in the right order, how he talked about it, because people are worried now about importance when it comes to social network. When we all know, when you put a Facebook like event and it says mm-hmm. 39 people are coming, there might be yeah. five, you know, we know that, you know, totally. yeah. Yeah. So, so people will just naturally say, Oh, we're going to go, let's go because I want to go, but they won't go. And yeah. you know we're in a different time now. It's it's interesting you'd say that because everybody's really concerned about what other people think of them, but they're really not that interested in like just having alone time, just time to themselves to think about what's happening now. Like what's you know it's it's you're right you know and I I think conversation is is missing too in in our world. We need to, more I, of that. Absolutely, man. I mean, like, um. I'm just trying to organize my thoughts properly here. Uh, shit, I lost it. Um, I, I mean, you're never going to replace that feeling, right? Um, oh, man, I had something really good there, and I really wanted to say it, and I'm fucking, oh, trying so hard to conjure. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. It's all good. <laughs> I, I think I blew it. It's totally good, um, man. It's totally good. But that's what this show is about, too, is that we come up with little moments of, hey, this is cool. Let's try that. You know, and that's what the show yeah. is about, is conversation. And we come up with little epiphanies. You know, maybe I should call it Little Epiphanies. That's not bad. The Little Epiphanies podcast. Oh, and like, it, but then simultaneously, I think technologically, like, there are benefits of it. I remember, like, because I used to write for a few publications and, uh, I'd have something in my head. I'm like, man, I really wish I had something on me right now to write that down. Mm-hmm. And even though I had a smartphone for a couple of years, I didn't know that there was like a voice recorder. So I'd have like a riff or a lyric line in my head or yeah. something. People are like, you realize that's at your fingertips <laughs> all the time, right? Like, nope, yeah. Didn't know, didn't yeah. know that. I have a friend who's written hundreds and hundreds of songs on his iPhone and we're talking. I'm like, you better try to back that up because what, what, how do you do that? I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, stop for a second. You have hundreds and hundreds of songs on your iPhone, yet you don't know how to take those songs and put it somewhere where they'll be safe. Because now they're just on my phone and my phone dies. I'm screwed. Like yeah. maybe they'll be on the cloud. I don't know. Like, like, God, we're at such a weird time where, you know, I had physical, a physical item. You just grab onto that and go, that's mine. I'm going to take, you know, I'll use that. I'll hang on to that, you know, and, and you're still of that. You're, yeah. you're still in that, that generation of thing. Like, I just need to, have it as mine you know and analog tape and all that stuff you know we're in a weird spot now well it's interesting i'm realizing that i am kind of like the shoulder generation between that i'm going to be the last generation of people that remembers what it was like to you know we didn't have the internet till i was and we were kind of late to the game on that like till i was like 14 or 15 or something which thank fucking god i can't imagine being in like junior high and the anxieties or, and high school uh, like the anxieties that go along with that and having yeah. things like facebook like my lord um <laughs> but you know like and it, so yeah i mean like there's there's all sorts of ups and downs and then i think like musically to kind of tie it back 
to that of it was a pretty cool feeling like i've never had a band that was on a record label in which somebody else took the effort to pressing something yeah and um i've, I've completely self-financed this band up to this point and i was like man i don't have the money to do vinyl myself mm -hmm. and gunner gunner our label head did and today was the first album we sold in north america and so even though we have all this technology in our pockets to have something that kind of goes back and is very physical uh and for them to be enthusiastic was like man it was a really good feeling today yeah. and i was just working pouring pints for people and then to have somebody like oh i love your band you want to can i buy a record and it was funny by other people in the bar seeing that he had one other people that didn't know we had records so i didn't even know listen to my band or like can i buy one yeah the fuck is going on right now <laughs> really sure like, yeah and vinyl is a funky thing that way and and i remember vinyl being a kid and vinyl going oh damn it there's only 22 minutes of music on this side and then i gotta flip it over and listen to the other side of that pink floyd album but yeah. you know and and that's kind of how vinyl was to me it was almost a hindrance yeah and, and then when cds came out everybody's like oh no this this is the way to go it's the way to go and now everybody's like fuck cds we don't want cds anymore we want we want to have it on my phone it's right here i got two thousand songs on my phone and uh you know but no one's thought about when the lights get turned out when the lights actually get turned out and there's no power and there's no you know what are we going to do we have vinyl you know we'll have your record and yeah. we, you know we'll have some other records but that's it that's all we have yeah you know? i think even when they sent like a, a thing out into space there was there was records on it but they put data on it where they could actually you know somehow if, if you're smart enough and you got this vinyl record from earth you could you could you could somehow get the information about who earthlings were and stuff like that i it's yeah. it's interesting stuff it will stay there forever because it's quite simple you know if totally. you think about it you know the process and it's strange like because cds for me are like because you know i think um you kind of i think most people kind of go back that you know for people that are into music um of when if you are musically inclined where you think music is my everything that cds was that time and i had this giant thing all my friends called it the bible because i just said every punk rock cd you could imagine and we would take it everywhere mm -hmm. i don't even know where that is now <laughs> but but i still like you know my impulse is to still buy cds because like i want to support bands i want to yeah. give them money and also like that's like 400 fucking records and i don't have the money to buy that all on vinyl again yeah know? that's true that's exactly true you've said it there and and i've had this conversation with people about vinyl and people who kind of get a little bit high on the vinyl like oh, this is the vinyl but my only argument to it is okay it's great you've put the vinyl in there's a process and you've cleaned it off and you put your needle on it you listen to it but when i walk in the woods and i'm listening to a record on my phone it's a yeah. completely different experience because I'm in the woods. I'm walking. I have these things in my ears that are playing totally. music into my brain. And I can look around and go, oh, this is much more visceral to me. This is this feels better. I know? completely agree. You know, so there's just a whole other context involved, you know, and and that's what what you know vinyl is. It's a it's a it's a it's a process of putting a thing down and it's this piece of physical object which is so minimal in the world now because everything is just so virtual and it here it is it's this thing and and it's just it's it's simple to think about how it was built but here i am listening to it on you know 
I don't know about the whole warmer thing. I don't know if I really want to, you know, subscribe. It's warmer. Is it warmer? Like, oh, like vinyl itself? Yeah. Uh, I, you know what, man? I personally, I don't buy it. Like, <laughs> um, and don't get me wrong. Like, there's uh, there's a time that, like, you're talking like atmosphere there, which I can really connect with because, like, if I'm sitting, there was this one smoking room in Berlin, and it was just like very dimly lit, and uh, they had a vinyl player going where it just like suited the atmosphere. But mm-hmm. it's like for me, music is feeling. Yeah. And uh, like you were exactly what you said. Uh, and actually, there's a little bit on the record where the the way the record goes out um, is a distinct nod actually to a bit Bouncing Souls thing. Whereas because I remember camping. Yes, we had CD players at the time and being by myself when everyone was passed out. I've been awake for like three hours. And there's this the last song on Anchors Away by Bouncing Souls ends with a general fade of him just saying like goodbye. And it's it's one of the most beautiful things I think I've ever heard in my life. Um, and I was like, I want a record to go out that way. Mm. And that didn't matter if it was vinyl, CD, virtual, fucking nothing. It was a feeling. Yeah. And that, yeah, I don't, like, I'm not, as I've said, a technological person. But the fact that my phone, like, I have the entirety of human knowledge and human music at my fingertips. Yeah. And if I want to go for a run or if I want to go walk by myself or if I'm having, like, the worst day ever, I can go anywhere and do that conveniently. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I mean, I remember being at a cottage and I'm thinking about a band and I go, wait a minute, they're on iTunes. Let's just get it. <laughs> and I, yeah, let's push the boat out and go on iTunes and buy this album. And then... Five minutes later, we're listening to um, a band called Boys Night Out. We're listening to Trainwreck. We're listening to this album, and it's yeah. like, see, this is this is where technology works. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And like, I think I was I was really impressed too. Like last year, I was driving to Minneapolis by myself, and uh, just a heads up, uh, my phone just hit three percent. So if we cut out. Um, oh, fuck. Let's uh, you know, what we should do is say our goodbyes, and then we'll keep going, and then I'll 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 rearrange it if it if it all works out. Um, yeah, let's do that, and um, uh, let me see if I can grab a charger and come right back. Like, are you down? Are you free to keep talking? No, I'm free to, to keep it? going, but I want to make sure that we can end it, and just in case everything goes wonky, then if your phone dies, I'm you know. So uh, let's do it. It's it's kind of I have to make a mark here so I don't sound so fucking weird. Well, here we are. We're here, back. Here we are. Back again. <laughs> back again. Um, can I ask you a question? And, sure. Uh, I never uh, would have expected myself to, like, just, like, hearing about, like, everything that you've, like, accomplished and done within, like, punk rock and Canadian music and stuff. That like, It's a really cool feeling just as, like, a music fan myself to be able to have this conversation. Oh, well, that's so cool. That's cool. And, and to hear you say that you enjoyed the album... I'm just curious what you liked about it. It was, it had that, it had the Midwest um, roots rock thing that I like, you know, where it's like rock and roll. It's, it's chords, simple chords. The lyrics spoke to me in a way that I appreciate, you know, like I, you know, it was, it, it wasn't overcomplicated, but it was just so um, lyrically and as well as musically, it all sort of bound together and it felt good. And there's not a lot of records that actually sound good and feel good, 
at the same yeah. time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I really did. I really liked it because every song came up. I'm like, oh my God, when's this song? Because you know, in records, you're usually like, when's this? When's it going to kind of like die away? And it, it didn't really for me. And it was a, le- it was a repeat listen. You know, so, and, you know, like as, listen, you know, I'm a fan of music. Cause so I, I really like it when it, when good stuff comes along, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so thank you. <laughs> well, no, thank you, man. I mean, like, I guess like, it's just like, there's this weird intersection of things going on right now of like, um, you know, having been involved with music for the first time, you know, like in, in ways like working with Melanie and stuff like this is all very foreign and, but actually, and also I think to be completely objective, I think this is the first time I've put out what I feel confident in saying is a good album mm-hmm. to get response about it is really nice, but it's also kind of foreign that yeah. like, I like to hear that like is no small thing to me. Um, but it also makes me very curious because I'm also like, I feel like very pervasively aware of dickheads. <laughs> and whenever I see like, uh, a band who just wears it on the shoulder, like not even just bands, like people in general who just like have this overt confidence. I was just like, man, like, where does that come from? Yeah. And also how are you so not self-aware that like you're acting like an asshole and like just just to hear that is just really nice man i just really appreciate well hey that. you know i i have to like i said credit is where credit is due because i listened to it and i was already aware of the fact that after hearing what you played i'm like i'm gonna get along with this guy i know this person like this is the type of person that i can have a conversation with you know and Cool. You know, and I've, like I said, I, I do the podcast out of love, you know, and I love music and I love working in music and I love talking to people who like to talk about music. Totally. But there's occasionally, sometimes you get that one band or group member, you're like, oh, really? Really? Is that all you yeah. got? You know what I mean? And, and I try to find as much goodness out of it as that I can, but there's been a few occasions where you're like, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not into this. <laughs> you know, it's the same way like putting putting on shows and running a venue, and like, yeah. there haven't been too many occasions throughout music where I've been, there, there have been a couple where I'm like so let down by a band that I like. So I'm like, wow, you guys are jerks. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, like that sucks because <laughs> it's tough to meet your idol and go, oh, you're a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, and and maybe you can get the same feeling. Like, there's one band of which will re- remain nameless. Uh, that like, uh, like I, I can't feel the same way I felt about their music, uh, and it was only really because one of them was just such a fucking asshole. Yeah, and like, and that sucks because you, you know, like music can belong to each of us in so many different and subtle ways. That like songs that used to like really make me think about how I felt and connect, you know, you know, like that kind of thing where it like breaks your heart in all the right ways. Like I'm yeah. stoked to be sad right now. And now I'm just like, can't help it. Like, well, you're a dickhead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that's all I can think of. Yeah. And if you look on the other side of the pendulum too, you'll meet a, you'll think the music is like, God, I don't really like the music, but then you meet the people and you're like, Oh, actually for some reason now I'm actually into your band. I completely agree. Like, cause yeah. But you find ways to like kind of fortify, like, well, you're really good, so I'm going to look at this in a different perspective. And it also just makes you, like, I don't know, I think there's almost something like evolutionary and bio, like biological in there, where it's like 
I'm going to support what I care about and I will do whatever. And absolutely there. And what's even cooler, I think too, is when you realize that you were being the dickhead that I was like, Oh, I didn't give this the time of day, but this is legitimately great music. And yeah. the fact that they're legitimately great people makes it even better. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like I've worked for bands and over the past four years, I worked for a country band and I didn't think I'd ever like country music, but I like these people. So for some reason they get a pass, you know, and yeah, it's amazing. You know, we go to these crazy country festivals and everybody's wearing a cowboy hat and you're like, what's happening? Where, how did I get here? You know, like, why am yeah. I here? You know, they're laughing at me. Go like, look at all the cowboy hats. And they're like, yeah, it's a fucking con. It's a country festival. Get over it. <laughs> but, but here I am this like sort of like indie punk rock dude in, in a country show, you know? And, yeah. but I like them so much. I like them as people that I can, like I said, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I can see through the fakeness of music. You know, I, I think we, uh, we can see through how music is trying to be contrived and trying to like be successful. And you're trying to yeah. hit a market and all that stuff. And I understand that stuff. And we know that nine times out of 10, it's luck that we're going to yeah. possibly get a kick at the can. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I truly think though, if it feels right, something good is going to happen. If it doesn't, it felt right. Doesn't yeah. matter. You know what I mean? So you tried your best and you made your best music and you weren't trying to like fool anybody. And this, this, that's what I get from your band is that you're not trying to fool anybody. You're trying to give them an experience and they're taking the experience I am and going, oh, okay, great. I can associate to that because it doesn't need yeah. a lot of words. It doesn't need a lot of explanation. It just needs to feel right. And that's, mm -hmm. that's music. That, wow. You said that really well. Thank um, you. Like, there's a couple things it's funny too of like making a record and this is like the first time like where like like i'm not an overly good guitar player like i'm i'm left-handed but i play guitar and it, um maybe i'm making excuses but i play <laughs> guitar right-handed yeah. but like there's just like little things that only music dorks don't understand i'm like well like my right hand which i pick with isn't as dexterous as my left hand uh but before this album like i played every day because i just wanted to make sure that when we're in the ah, crap i'm getting a knock just give me one second okay sure fuck sorry about that that's all um it's like i i just i didn't there's been times before in the studio or just in life in general where like you're confronted with something and you're like, you know what? That happened because I didn't do my best. And I wanted to play every day for a couple hours that not only did I know that I did my best, but should I hit that wall and that barricade, I have the psychological confidence to be like, there's nothing I could have done differently. So you'll get there. Yeah. And to contribute, like to attribute that to like feeling is there's just like a couple things that like nobody else is going to give a shit about, but like I can hear on the record of like, like there's one about my grandma and my, my grandpa. Well, there's two about them, but um, there's just this one note that I hit that for whatever reason it is within my brain, it's just me hitting a note. It's not good guitar playing. Mm -hmm. It just, it strikes a perfect kind of melancholy that just takes me exactly to the feeling 
that I have when I'm at my grandparents' farm, and uh, and and then that's it, man. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like that's that's cool. Do you uh, are you are you a fan or you follow Ben Folds' music? Ben Folds, not much actually. Yeah, uh, I I'm familiar, but I'm not like well versed because he there's a he wrote an album called Songs for Silverman. And he went on a completely different thing because he was like writing songs that were all on computer and perfect. And then he put this album out. It's called Songs for Silverman, which is like really playing with a real band all at the same time. And you hear him, they're, they're playing through and they have a little documentary on it and he's playing through and you can hear a, a blatant mistake. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I like it. I like that. And they're like, yeah. well, there's a mistake. And you know, I just think it's cool. I like that. I want to keep it. And it's all... You know, going through that motion, like, well, yeah. doesn't need to be perfect, you know. And as a, you know, I record bands and things, and as, as a person, it's that's such a fine line between making things perfect and making things feel right. And unfortunately, yeah. sometimes you're gonna lose a little bit of perfectness, or lose a bit of feeling for a bit of perfectness. And I don't know, it's it's such a funny thing, you know. I I I'm trying to get back back more to off the floor kind of stuff and. Like, yeah. Did you guys record in Edmonton or did you, re- where did, where did you? We did record in Edmonton, which was not my initial plan. Yeah. Um, like, and I, I really want to do it one day. Like I really like the almost kind of romanticized idea of going to a different city that I'm not even very familiar with and recording of just being, cause it, it, it's always been like, you know, uh, work a job and then go to the studio or go to the studio and work a job. Yeah. Like, the idea of having two weeks to be completely focused on something. Like I, I would love to do that one day. That's not where we're at yet. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But being that this album was very much made possible because of moving back to Edmonton, originally we were going to do it in Vancouver. And I was like, no, let's do it in Edmonton. Cause should we want to call up, you know, a random friend because it's an Edmonton record. Uh, I want them to be there, yeah. you know? And, and and we didn't actually end up. What's weird is we didn't actually end up doing too much of that, but it felt. It just, it, it's weird to say because it just it felt right. And the guy that uh, did it, he he mostly does like pop rock bands and pop music. But really, him and I got along really well. He's like, I've only ever worked with like one punk band, and but we just got on really well as people. That it felt right. Mm-hmm. and um it wasn't like a producer thing or anything um it was just like here's our songs we're gonna do it but we yeah it just i don't know it clicked yeah no it definitely it's 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 recorded well like it's recorded mixed and it sounds it sounds really good and it's easier to do stuff like that now than it was 20 years ago you know and i can only imagine yeah, yeah. you know the just I'm not saying that we had computers or whatever. They had computers back then too, you know. But just to make it just just the how it was recorded, like how it was sampled and how it was put into a hard drive and stuff. We've come so far now over the just over the past ten years, how to capture music. And mm-hmm. you know, there's that sort of like you went to a studio, right? Like Yeah. Yeah. Like people are saying now that well, everybody's got a laptop and everybody's in their ba- I'm in my basement. I got a laptop, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. I recorded some great music over the past 10 years because yeah. it was a laptop, you know what I mean? It, because it was, yeah. you know, it was right there. And then we just put it down and 
it sounded good. Well, there was no hindrance, you know. Our our album was completely through computers. Like it wasn't like yeah. Um, and I, I, again, like not knowing what any of that stuff does. Like he has his own studio. Um, he's actually since moved. His name's Brad uh, Smith, by the way. He's a phenomenal dude, and um, he's got the most common name of all names, though, right? It's true. His name's yeah, Brad yeah. Smith. I mean, I got less syllables in uh, than him, but <laughs> yeah. uh, same same initials, so. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, like it was a studio. Like, I mean, the previous albums that I've made, we've made in people's living rooms and made yeah. in people's basements, and some of which are considered professional, some of which are not. Yeah. Uh, whereas his was like, you know, we had like a vocal booth, which was, and like, yeah, just like weird things of like getting the encouragement and like of, of being like, hey, you know what you can accomplish of him. Like, and this sounds really strange, but he had this glowing light that would change colors. And he's like, he put this dark curtain up and you're in your room by yourself. Even though you're in a band with your friends, that you should feel confident and comfortable of being by yourself and really trying to think about especially on like you know emotionally um charged songs that just being in this dark little room with this one glowing orb that's like green or blue or whatever mm -hmm. it was kind of like helped you get into it and like yeah. it felt cool and like I'm glad there's no video of it because I'm sure it would be hilarious, <laughs> yeah. but like at times still being like this punk rock like, and, yeah. and allowing myself to let go to the point where I'd be like singing a line and I'd, I'd still be like, like giving it like I was playing live or giving it like I was yeah. 16 years old and moshing. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like it comes across a couple times on the album yeah, and or like losing your breath and kind of like what you're saying about Ben folds of like sing along so hard that you can hear the voice crack but i'm like no that's what it should sound like mm -hmm. you know like well, there's uh, a knock i heard the knock fuck i'll be right back yeah 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 Sorry about that. Oh, but, good, man. Yeah, and like that's honestly like one of my like absolute favorite parts of the record that still makes me like, you know, kind of emotional about like, you know, in regarding, you know, uh, a, a friend and his family of like singing it so hard and being so emotionally connected to it at the moment where it, you know, like I was upset. Yeah. And I'm really glad that. And if nobody else notices, that's fine. But I can listen to the record with even more content because I was like, okay, that's that that's what you needed to do. So, yeah, it just made me think about, you know, I've played on saying and made records. And the unfortunate part of it is that you can't experience it like a listener. You know, when I when I'm listening to my favorite album, I I get to a certain part of the record and I go, oh, this is the part where I, you know, when I was this age that I really like, yeah. you know, this is this, and I feel like this again, you know, and yeah. it's a whole different experience when you've made it and you've put it down and you have to listen to it. And I keep, I, I, I attribute success to the fact that I don't cringe as much as I used to. You know, there's moments where you're like, oh God, I really, really suck then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. and I don't suck as much anymore, you know, and, yeah, yeah. you know, and we're getting older and we're, we're understanding 
a little bit more about music because we're older and that's, you know, that's a whole other conversation about successful musicians are generally under the age of 20 or whatnot, but you know, here we are, you know, we're older, we're getting older and we're going to be getting older and we're going to, you know, I always thought that musicians were like fine wine, you know, you get better, you know, yeah, you, you find, you find what, what makes you good. And then you get good at that because you have the age and the, you know, the um, perspective to yeah. say, Oh, this is where I'm good at. This is what I'm good at. And you said it before. We're like, I'm not much of a guitar player. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah. you know, I make what I, you know, you know, I played in a band where it was with a great guitar player, but I was the one with vibe. I got the yeah. vibe, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I, I know how to do what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Well, can I actually add the question, uh, can I play a song or two while we're doing this? Of course. Okay, yeah. good. Cause I know it's, it's out. It's not out yet. Right. It is. Yes. Is it? Oh, okay. Okay, great. Maybe I read the thing wrong. I thought it wasn't out until May. I think, well, I, I think actually that, because I got another interview where like, it comes out May 3rd. I'm like, no, it came out March 3rd. Oh. But I, I feel like Melanie may have put May 3rd. Okay. Which I don't like. And she is like a rock and roll god. All right. I'm like, by the way, <laughs> like, I, I like, I, and you know what? Even at this point, it's actually probably smart to be, um, saying it's not out yet because i keep hype rather like hey yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> relic that you've been sitting on um so yeah. i'm i'm just gonna let it ride because like you know misadventure and confusion is much funnier than structure then i'm gonna play the whole album no, I'm okay <laughs> I'm, I'm very i'm very curious what songs you're gonna pick oh i got my you know what it's been a, it's been a few like a couple of days since i heard it but i i there's somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle there I, if i had a list okay. on me I, I could tell you which ones are my favorite but cool. there, oh yeah no it's it's a great album man and you should be proud of it because it's Thank uh you. it's 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 a uh it's a journey you know and you know that's that's what we only really want to do is we want to take people on that little trip who we are what we do and, yeah you know you know and and you do it you do it great so uh that's and really, you're coming to really toronto cool right to you're coming to toronto you are. yes in okay. may uh i i don't know the exact day off the top of my okay. head and I'm I'm really curious about it actually too because um, I understand I, I feel like I have a really good understanding that like we are a small you know nothing band at this point but we have worked really hard over the last couple of years and there are some people that are really excited to see it there are not many in total but like playing Pootsa Fest where like, again, I like that underdog feeling of like, Hey, so you're buried lower in the listing. I'm like, that's where I want to be because I want to prove to anybody that gives us the time of day to listen to us. Cause I mean, like I'm older, man. Like I, I don't take that for granted. Like if somebody takes the time to listen to our record, I want to make sure it was worth their while, you know? Yeah. Well, Pootsa Fest couldn't be a better um, stage for you because it is in fact, one of the better festivals to get on absolutely know, for 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 punk rock absolutely and mm-hmm. they, they thought about it was funny because i didn't think it was going to come out this year they were thinking like that's it we're done we're not doing yeah. puts fest anymore and you know and i met hugo a few years ago when i was doing the show and he was like yeah, yeah you know you know and he he kind of had this sort of like well, i don't know if we're going to do it anymore and uh but that's a great festival to be on because it has weight it's almost like you know like it has that sort of like this is what people look forward to. 
No, and yeah, it's, it's like a resume. Like, like on, like on, because I've been to Pooch Fest twice. The first time was just as a fan. That's um, uh, one of my good friends lived in Montreal. One of my friends, good friends, lived in Vancouver, or I would say my two best friends. And you know, we were at this point a couple years removed from living in the same city, and that was like. Somebody asked the other day, they're like, what's your best memory of Pootsa Fest? And honestly, like, I love the music. I love the festival. But it was sitting with my two best friends on his balcony and just talking about nothing. Yeah. And Absolutely. being that, that festival brought us together, you know. Yeah. And um, the next time we got back from Europe and I just played, I wasn't even formally on the lineup. I just played acoustically at, like, an informal show. Um, and so this time... Like, cause I had heard it was maybe going to go down, like go under yeah, and like to be there, like again, tangential, but one of the best reactions that we got from our label in Europe was that even on slower shows where you can, you can see people's spirits kind of sagging is that we played our hardest every night, which I'm a firm believer in that brought who was there into it and much more participating. Mm-hmm. that made for really great nights and I, I think we had a little part in that you yeah know? yeah absolutely and and it's uh, it's funny how being a musician and turning bad situations into good situations is always a win it's always yeah. a win you know and you think you know we've you know we did a show years ago with dillager escape plan and i thought they're gonna fucking hate us they're gonna you know they're gonna eat us alive yeah. yet the people had heard bands that sounded like that all day. And here we show up and they're like, Oh wow. Thank you for coming. Like it was a completely different experience. Wh- which get, band was this? I had, I had a band called Foursquare and we're okay. on, we're on bad taste records um, out of Sweden. And we were playing like this little festival that Dillinger escape plan was playing, but every band that played it sounded like Dillinger escape plan. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't. So I, I took that as a little win, you know, like there's a little win here because um, you know, we're turning people around and that's what, you know, it's kind of what you were explaining. You just sort of get people on board, you know, and it's a tough thing to do mm-hmm. and it takes honesty to do it. So. I would, uh, yeah, I would, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. I think we should wrap up. It's getting up to 1230 AM in the morning in my time. Well, how, how about this, man? I, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get in your way, but like, I would really love to like buy you a coffee or something when we're on our way out east mm-hmm. and we could just like rap about stuff because like man like this has been a real pleasure so thank you for taking the time thank you well i appreciate you saying that you know and i definitely will when you come in to toronto where are you playing in toronto because usually there's a puts a there's a toronto show some oh you don't know yet we're, maybe it's bovine no, no. is it bovine we are doing bovine again yeah yeah okay cool all yeah. right i'm coming out right. I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and we'll have coffee. Oh my god, I was uh, the last time I was there, I was not in good shape. So I would love to have a have a coffee rather than 900 beers and uh, <laughs> shake your hand and just say thank you because this has been a lot of fun. Oh great! Well, I appreciate you doing the show, man. Anytime.